0: Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the Fateful and for the Fateful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. How's it going?
1: Hey, David. How are you doing tonight?
0: Good. We're doing this a little late, the podcast, because I had to go. Uh, I was playing, I coached at practice, then I had to go. I was playing in a game, and then I w- in between, I was grading the Oilers game, and I just got back and finished watching the rest of it. So it's been a busy night of hockey. A lot of it more fun than the, the least amount of fun was watching that Oilers game, which was seven three lost seven three lost the Wild. Not unexpected. We were t- talking earlier today about how this was a trap game, and uh, you know they're on a winning streak and they always lose. They always play poorly against the Wild, and the Wild had an Oilers played yesterday. The Wild were sitting here in Edmonton waiting for them, and seemed predictable. I mean, you always hope for better, but you didn't. We didn't get that we'll do our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. What is your good thing?
1: Yeah, uh, well, my real good thing about hockey today, uh, being Sunday, February 19th, is uh, two of my favorite hockey minnows winning medal games. Finland winning the gold and uh, Slovakia coming up with the bronze at the Olympics. Congratulations to those two countries. That's a rarefied air for both and uh, well-deserved. Uh, if we're going to talk about the Oilers, well, the pickings are pretty slim, but the obvious one that jumps off the page is uh finally, finally, Tyler Benson has found uh, a score sheet in the goals column in his 30th uh, career game. And for an offensive player, that is a long, long wait. Uh, the sadness, of course, is that he wasn't able to celebrate that goal the way you would like, where it was a big goal in a, you know, in a winning effort. But instead, a goal even in the second period, already deep in garbage time of a game that had nothing but garbage time after about the first six minutes. Yeah. But score it he did, and he scored it by going in, into the blue paint, finding the puck, and smashing it home. And he even did so with his mom and dad in the stands watching. So that's, uh, I mean, he's an Everton boy, so I would imagine they're watching him a fair bit, but they get it in a home game with family watching. And, uh, you know, I've been far from alone and rooting for this guy. I mean, uh, he's an Everton draft pick that we followed for a long time. I interviewed him a few years ago. I uh, had the pleasure of sitting by his mom at one of the preseason scrimmages a few years ago just by accident, but I struck up a conversation with her, and it you know, just followed his career with interest. And, he did real well in Bakersfield for years and struggled to get that uh, breakthrough in Edmonton and to get the, you know, the stretch of games that I keep hoping that he's going to get. Well, one way he is going to get a stretch of games is by scoring goals and points. And tonight he got that all-important first one. He got off the schneid, as Jack Michaels will say, about four times a broadcast. And, <laughs> Into the net she went, so congratulations, Tyler, you're off the schneid, you're on the score sheet, and may this be the first of many.
0: Yeah, it was a nice, hard-working goal. Mm-hmm. He just got in there. Uh, you know, Lagasin put it uh, put it on net, and Loggison's my good thing. You know, he, okay. he I thought he had a pretty good game, William Loggison. Mm-hmm. He was the only Oilers defenseman who, according to our uh, look at the game, didn't make a major mistake on a goal against. Wow. The lone Oilers defenseman of the seven who didn't do that, and, and that's something. He, and he wow. only made one major mistake on a great A shot against. Mm-hmm. Um, he on Benson's goal, he put the puck on net, and Hyman Pride, it. You know, got on the goalie and caused the disturbance. The puck came Lewis, and there was Benson to slam it home. So, but it all started with Wild Bill at the point. Mm-hmm. Laguson is playing uh, considerably better defense. Um, in, at the NHL level, than, than I think he's ever played. Uh, he had a good streak initially when he first came up. He was teamed with Adam Larson um, a year ago, uh, uh, but um, was not consistent. He couldn't keep that up, and his game fell apart. He was unimpressive under Dave Tippett. Was he on? He was on waivers. He's been on waivers a couple. They waived him twice. And he's not been taken by other teams. Right. And not surprisingly, because he hasn't looked like an NHL player. But he is starting to look like one in these last few games. He, he and Niemalainen have looked quite good um, in in their games. Niemalainen wasn't bad tonight either. But I, I think Lagazin had a good game and was one of the few Oilers who did. One of the very few Oilers who did have a good game.
1: One of the very few. I tell her the numbers from Natural Statric, the shot shares, are staggering when it comes to Uh, uh 14 shot attempts by Edmonton to six by Minnesota. And of course, this is a game where Edmonton did outshoot the Wild. But shots on goal with Laguson on the ice, eight to one for Edmonton. Goals one to zero. He was plus one in this game. That's no mean feat. And by sco- their measure of scoring chances, seven to two for the Oilers, and high danger chances five zero for Edmonton when uh, Wild Bill was on the ice. So those you know that whole line of numbers is very good, and it would be very good in a in a very good game, which of course this wasn't. So it really stands out compared to to some of these uh, uh, some of his uh, other
0: players. They must have missed. Uh, they must well, yeah, have missed one so. play, Bruce, because we he was on the ice, and you can check this if you're scoring this at home second period uh 1045 mark of the second period he allowed a pass and Kane allowed a shot on just an absolutely wicked um slot shot he ba- he was battling behind the net and he fell I think he kind of fell down and there was a pass out front and and there was a really good chance that the wild had. How was that? That was a total grade A shot. I don't know why that would not be yeah, true. Whether
1: you're, whether you're assigning blame or not, and they don't. They, they're just signing He's on still race. on the ice. Well, he was yeah. On, yeah, he was laying on the ice. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I don't know. I don't know how the system missed that, but it, it did anyway, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce, uh, let's go to your bad thing.
1: Yeah, boy. Yeah. There is a plethora. Bad things. This was a bad hockey game from the Oilers. And they weren't. They weren't ready from the get-go. Uh, they weren't ready to defend the slot. Uh, they weren't ready to attack the other slot. When they did get in the other slot, they weren't ready to shoot the darn puck or at least hit the net with the shot. Uh, so, out of all of the bad things, and there's a few, a um, few, few guys, few of the young guys had pretty dreadful games tonight. I thought, but. Uh, uh, I'm going to say that I'm going to target the veteran netminder who was the one fresh guy on the team uh, coming in to play tonight's game. He didn't have to play in Winnipeg yesterday like all these other guys did. Uh, and Mike Smith uh, came in tonight and he faced some tough shots and he did not stop any of them, not even one. He had four shots on him from the slot. They were all like 25 to 30 footers from between the hash marks and the team was giving up shots, but he wasn't stopping any of them. Two on the short side, two on the far side, they all hit the net. And, you know, the Oilers really needed some saves in the early part of this game to give them some life and they got none. And then there was the matter of him given the stare down to young philip broberg who was probably feeling bad enough already without uh getting the getting the stink eye from his netminder, so that uh, that doesn't help <laughs> so anyway uh he's had some good games this was not one of them in fact to me this rivaled the famous mikko koskin in four shots four goals game uh, against uh, Vancouver last year, because Smith was credited with three saves, of which at least one of them wasn't even on the net, on the net, and the other two he couldn't have got out of the way of if he tried. And he just just didn't have any of the answers. And by the 13:38 mark of the first period, Mikko Koskinen, who played yesterday, had to already come in and mop up the last 46 minutes and change of this game, because Mike Smith didn't get the job done night.
0: All right, I'll just uh, go. The game got out of hand really quickly. Yep. Um, Three goals against in the first six and a half minutes of the game, so it's it's essentially over then. Especially against a good checking wild team. So just the first goal against Bruce just spoke about the how flat the Oilers were and uh, lacking energy, lacking focus in this game. Just not not right for it. Every single player on the ice. blew it on the goal against. I mean, it starts off with Philip Broberry putting the puck up the boards and it's picked, you know, it's uh, it's up to Benson. I think and the and he loses that battle for the puck. Uh, Benson does. It's pushed down to the corner and Tyson Barry loses the battle. It's pushed behind the net. Colton Sevier loses a battle and it's pushed out to the slot. Kyler Yamamoto you know, arguably might have covered, but Philip Broberry just completely failed to cover the guy in the slot and it's in the net. So just it was just one lost battle after another just small lost battles not big not none of them big ones mm-hmm. none of them huge except for maybe the one in front of the net the last one where the guy gets a shot off mm-hmm. um, but they're just it was just boom boom you lose 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 you lose goal against and it spoke a lot i think about the orders um lack of uh intensity lack of fight in the game they are just they just were not in sync at the start of the game and the wild were and the wild pounded them because of it they just came out and dominated the game
1: second time in Edmonton this year David in the first game the wild went ahead to stay at the 111 mark of the first period and they had two nothing by about seven minutes and they led for the entire game start to finish this time they made it all the way to two minutes and 49 seconds and then by the seven minute mark they were had three nothing in this game and led it from start to finish. So in two home games against the Wild, the orders were tied for a total of four minutes and trailing for the other 116, and they were never in really either game. So having paid uh, for to see the last Wild at Edmonton game, I was glad that I didn't have that pleasure tonight. Oh, so,
0: God. Yeah. You know, anyway. All right, Bruce, your number.
1: <sighs> yeah, my number is the is key number, and I think this is, you know, uh, I, I'm almost prepared to give this team a mulligan. I know Coach Jay Woodcoff isn't, and he shouldn't. But this schedule, man, oh, man, my number is five and seven. The owners played five games in seven days. And yeah. not, only, not only was it five and seven, it was this really illogical sequence where they played two in California, and then they played the third California team, but in Edmonton. Then they played in Winnipeg. And then they played Winnipeg's neighbor, Minnesota, except back in Edmonton. And these were two of Edmonton's home games. And they might as well have had a five-game road trip because they went, you know, they went from uh, San Jose to Los Angeles yeah. to Edmonton to Winnipeg back to Edmonton. And now they got to fly all the way to uh, Florida. They're probably going to fly right over Minneapolis on their way there and have all those extra air miles. And I, I know the schedule is being made up by. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this whole Olympic break, there was supposed to be no games and they're trying to make it up. But this uh, this schedule was brutal and the team was running on fumes in the third period yesterday. I've come to the conclusion they really were hanging on. And today they had nothing right from the get-go. And I honestly had low expectations of this game. It was worse than I feared. And, you know, I think, you know, there's certainly lots for the coach to discuss but this to me this was one of those ones that was a schedule loss three yeah. games in 4 days 5 and 7 back to back with travel and to think that yesterday while Edmonton was playing in Winnipeg the wild were sitting here in Edmonton in their in their uh uh in their hot tub watching the Oilers play on TV doing you know saying oh this is the team we got to play tomorrow night well Let's, uh, you know, (laughs) let's take the elevator down to the rink and be ready for them flying home from Winnipeg. And it was, you know, it's just one of those games where the the schedule was not fair and balanced. And that happens both ways during the course of the season. But this was a game where, uh, you know, the odds were against them and those chickens came home to
0: roost. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. It was a bad feeling heading into this one. It just, and now they got a tough schedule coming up too. It's not going to get any I, easier, is it?
1: And I'm not going to, you know, totally crap on a team. You know, they won five games in a row and they lost one. Okay, it's not the end of the world. But now they have to bounce back, and the next game is a huge test against the standing up champions. And then the, they have two more games against East East powerhouses who would have ever guessed that the southeastern united states would ever be the valley of death in the nhl but that's where it is right now
0: well low tax rates maybe that has something to do with it um bruce my number is partly related to this game because Connor mcdavid had a particularly ineffectual game one of his worst games of the year probably didn't get much done he wasn't terrible on defense um i should say he wasn't you know one of the the people who was leaking great A shots against this game, but he got very little done on the attack. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. As great a player as he is, and he leads he leads the league in scoring right now. McDavid has 71 points in 49 games. He's at one point ahead of both Drysidle and, and Huberto, who have 70 points each in 50 games. Um, and his even strength point total overall is pretty good. He's got 44. And other league leaders in that regard, let me just uh, click on this. Johnny Gaudreau has 52 to McDavid's 54. Huberto has 48. Kaprazov of Minnesota has 46. Um, So he's sixth overall in total, um, even uh, even strength scoring in the NHL. But, Bruce, if you go by rate of Mm -hmm. um, points per 60, uh, uh, even strength, Connor McDavid, he did, he's not in the top ten, and he's not in the top twenty, and he's not in the top thirty. He ranks thirty-first overall in even strength scoring, and that was a surprise to me when I looked that up tonight. Two point nine three per sixty. Um, that's not that's not what I'd expect from Connor McDavid, and Leon Draisaitl ranks forty-sixth um, in the NHL. Next best on the owners um, is Zach Hyman, who's 104th at 2.2 uh, points per game, which is actually pretty good. You know, that's a $5 million w- winger or whatever. It's $5.5 million winger. That's that's about right for Zach Hyman. Pulio Rv is at uh, 1.86 points per 60, which is 176 in the NHL. And again, that's not bad. Um, but other than that, in terms of point production at even strength, it's not a Pretty picture for the orders forwards right now. Um maybe it'll that'll is gonna pick up with Kane joining the team and them getting a little bit more juice of their top six, but mm-hmm. they're not dominant scorers this year so far. Um I don't know if that's the right word. Because they kind of they you know they they just by total points, they are. But they're probably a lot they, of minutes. Yeah, They play a lot of minutes they play a lot of minutes and i don't know they're just not totally clicking i guess i don't think i guess what i'm what i'm seeing is that they haven't yet found line combinations that totally click and i thought they were getting there i thought with hyman and and uh maybe pull and mcdavid or hyman and yamamoto mcdavid that, that line's been pretty good the last few games leading into this they were getting a lot of chances the last few games but not tonight anyway as you say bruce as we say, this was a trap game. It was one game. They've been on a good streak. But I'd like to see, and I think we should expect Connor McDavid, I think he would expect himself to be in the top ten, if not the top five, if not number one, for even strength scoring in the NHL. And um, they've got to figure out a way to make that happen. Were they overusing them? Is that, was that the issue? Was the wrong line mates? What's, what's not working? And, and make that work. Um, I think the line mates are there. They can find them. Um, uh, but um they haven't yet they haven't completely cracked the code this season of how to get the most out of these dry settle and mcdavid at even strength and they put a fair amount of time together as well so and i mean we've seen that we've seen that a lot some people really believe in that still putting those two guys together but um i'm not a fan of that but anyway it's not it's not enough from either of them
1: in recent times we've seen them uh playing separately for the most part with occasional special events uh, like yesterday's 4-on-4 four four that produced a game-winning goal, for instance, uh, in Winnipeg. Uh, but especially after penalties, sometimes the last minute of the period that put them together. Um, but mostly they've been apart. And in recent times, the order's been doing better at 5-on-5 five five and way worse on the power play. But they they racked up so many power play points early in the season that that's, that's still... Uh, part of it, you know, uh, in the last, uh, uh, I think this is right, in the last 25 games, Leon Drysaddle has one power play goal and Conor McDavid has won two power play goals in his last 44 and Ryan Nugent wow. Hopkins has none all year. So the power play, there's a real odd split there where they were dominant for 25 games and, and pretty brutal. For the next 25 so you know it's not just even strength where there's uh there's deficiencies and, and sort of the recent half of the games played to this point uh, the power play as well so that's not good i guess one good thing that happened tonight david is that neither of dry nor mcdavid were seriously hurt even as both were attended to yeah. on the bench by trainer td force during the game Drysaddle took a wicked shot to the head and he got all cut under his eye. He he threw a check at Big Jordan Greenway when he got a helmet in the face and that can be bad news. And then McDavid got all tangled up in the corner and uh, got his skate hooked up and then went into the boards awkwardly and he came off favoring his leg and you're just going, you know, I don't care if we lose 20 to nothing. We don't want to lose McDavid or Drysaddle in this game, right? And... Seems like, I mean, they both finished the game, so. But it was a rough night for the Oilers from top to bottom.
0: Hockey's a rough game, you know. I'm sure these guys play all year long with just Mm -hmm. numerous bangs, bruises, hurts, aches, and pains. Just just constant, endless, right? It's just nonstop um, that they'd have, like, pretty serious, nagging, smaller injuries that they're working through all the time. And it could explain some of the performance issues this year, um, a little bit at least. So, anyway, I just thought that was interesting. It was a surprise to me to see McDavid at thirty-first overall in terms of rate of even strength scoring for forwards in the NHL. Bruce, let's—I got to get writing here. So uh, yeah. to, on the game grade, so let's leave it there. Thanks for t- talking tonight. Enough
1: said about that game for sure.
0: Thanks yeah. for
1: listening, everyone.
0: And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.